Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Pause I Am Radio. Your host for tonight's show are Robert Brining and Jeremy Dunn. They will be taking your calls and speaking with a different guest each week. You are encouraged to call in and share your life experiences with us. The number to call is 347-215-9442. That number again, 347-215-9442. Are you ready for your dose of hope? You're listening to Pause I Am Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the November 11th edition of Pause I Am Radio. I'm your host, Robert Brining, and my fabulous co-host, Jeremy Dunn, is by my side. How are you doing, Jeremy? I am doing fantastic. How are you? How are you? I'm great. I'm great. I had a great week. Hold on. I think I have the microphone a little too close to my mouth. There we go. I was starting to sound like an um, air traffic controller there. <laughs> No, I had a great week. How about you? You know, I had a fantastic week. I got to tell you, I really did. And um, and, and it, it, I had a fantastic weekend. I did. That's good. I recovered from the flood and everything. What's that? I said, are you, have you recovered well up there? How's like New York doing with the flood and all that? Uh, the hurricane, yes. Um, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, I got to tell you, uh, I just, I was coming back from the city this afternoon around 6 o'clock this evening, and uh, there's FEMA trucks up here in Staten Island. So um, we're still digging out. Uh, We've got people who have lost everything here on Staten Island. We have, um, uh, I was just talking with someone uh, today, as a matter of fact, and his uncle lost, they lost their house. They have no power still. I mean, things are bad. I mean, there, there, there's certainly uh, there is some normalcy starting. Um, so, so people are still without power. Uh, lower Manhattan, there are sections of the city. It's really kind of eerie to get off the ferry at like 5.30, 6 o'clock at night. And you look across and there are buildings that are just dark. There are, there are city blocks that are just dark. It is surreal. It, it's, it's bizarre. And um, so, so, you know, power is, is being restored slowly. Um, subways are still not up to 100%. So, I mean, it, it's going to take some time to get out from under all of this. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. Um, Oh, 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 to all of our veterans. Happy Veterans Day. Today is Veterans Day. Yes, happy. Did you hug a veteran today? I hugged a few. <laughs> you know me. I'm, I'm a lover. Right. I'm not a you fighter. discriminate. <laughs> you know, this, you know, I just, you know, I, 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 I like to give my love and spread my love around and say, yo, sailor, come over here. Let me give you a hug. 
Some like it, some run the opposite direction, but hey, you know, I try. Today, um, actually, um, we got up early, Sean and I, and we uh, had a yard sale. We got rid of some of the things that he had. Um, We wanted to get rid of, so we went to his mom's house and did a yard sale in Voorhees, New Jersey, and um, his grandfather is a veteran, so we got to spend the day with him, which was, you know, really cool because it's like, you know, you just learn so much from somebody who has, you know, was served in the Korean War and, and you know different things of in wars in general. Just you learn so much from those people, and that wisdom is priceless. And just hanging out with his grandfather for, you know, a few hours, it, it was it was awesome. It was it was great. So I got to hang out with my veteran today and hug him. Wow, that that makes you know, you know I, I've got you know my 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 grandparents, they lived through. I mean they were teenagers during World War Two. Right. I mean, so, you know, my grandmother, just my grandmother, I love my grandmom, and um, she she just turned 79. And, you, you know, you, you think back, I mean, it's, she's almost 80 years old, this woman. And you think about it. She was, you know, what's 80? That was 1930, 1930 what, 1933, 34? You're asking the wrong person. Um, so, so you know, in the mid-30s, right after the Great Depression, 10 years before World War um, II started, imagine, I mean, just imagine all of that and, right. and just, you know, what she has seen, you know, growing up, you know, not just World War II, the Vietnam War, the Korean War, you know, I mean, just... Uh, I always tease her and say, was she around during the Spanish-American War and the War of 1812? She hates me every time. She hits me every time. She hates, she hates that. Yeah, so thank you for everybody who is, you know, in the military and past, present, yeah. and future who, who, who do that because it takes a, a lot of balls to do that. Um, you know, and, and I, I think... I know, couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. it. But you know what? You're serving your country in a different way. True. You know, you might not be in the you might not be in the um, armed services, but you are doing. We both are. My brother is in the armed services, and I know he's probably not listening right now. But um, my brother Josh, he's my twin. He is right now. Um, he is actually in a hotbed of of action. He is in a place called Djibouti, Africa, and. Um, he is just north of Somalia. Just he's a country just right above Somalia. So, mm-hmm. so I can guess. He can't tell us why he's there, but I can probably guess why he's there. You know, he's probably there because of the Somali pirate situation. Right. So I mean, my brother is is in the midst is is in the thick and thin of this. I mean, he's he's in the thick of it, and um, he chose this as his career. He's got close to 20 years. Um, wow. They feel really old. Thank you. <laughs> because we're <laughs> twins. You, you know, we're twins. Um, so he's been in the service for 20, almost 20 years, which means wow. that my brother, at the age of 40... Something. <laughs> 41 or 42, he'll be, um, he'll, be, he'll be retiring from the military. Retiring. 
full pension, all that stuff. And uh, and you know, it, it's it's people like my brother. It's the men and the women. It's men and women in uniform who protect us every day, who make sure that we have um, blog talk radio to come on and talk about you know the the issues that we're talking about today. It's it, it is them who are who are serving on the front lines every day, and so we always have to remember not just our current veterans, but um, all the veterans who. Um, didn't make it back from um, from whatever uh, campaign or uh, uh, that they were involved in. I mean, there are countless lives that have been lost um, in the name of freedom, um, in the name of religion, in the name of all of this. And right. uh, we, so we have to, you know, send our thanks and our prayers to um, not just our current veterans, but also to the family members of, of um, passed on veterans. So, oh, definitely, yeah. No, I totally agree, and I thank them all for, for their service. Um, I do see our guest on the line, but I want to talk about a few things before we bring him on briefly. Um, if if everybody remembers back on September 16th, we had Jeff Berry on from Positively Aware Magazine, and he spoke about um, a day with HIV. And if you are able to pick up the new Positively Aware Magazine, we're going to be talking about an article that's in the tonight. It's the November-December 2012 issue. Um, they actually have photos that were submitted for a day with HIV. Um, Which I wasn't able to submit, damn it. Right. And um, our own Jack McEnroff has made it, our friend Aaron Laxton, Justin B. Smith, uh, Pastor Ingram. And then on the cover of one of the four covers, because this year they did it differently, where they don't have just one cover, they have four different covers with the same, you know, the same magazine. Yeah. And our own, our own pause, I am, or Melissa Baker made it with her lovely daughter, um, and it just, it, it's it like, I don't know, it just beams love in the photo. You, you know, it really does. And, and I got to tell you, when I see Melissa's photo, mm-hmm. pride, I, I yep. feel so much pride for her and, and I'm just so proud of her and it, it's, it's pretty cool. And, and I just think that she's, and I, and I don't know, is Melissa on? Because I'm not even looking at my machine right now. I'm actually I'm serving myself. I'm a little bit of a uh, libation because I am parched. But, <laughs> no, uh, sure. she may be uh, logging in later. Um, she, she might be. Tunes in but, later, uh, but, go ahead. but Melissa, um, I love Melissa. Uh, she's, she's, like little, she's like a sister to me. I mean, that's how I look at her, you know? I'm giving her dating advice, me giving dating advice. <laughs> you know, and yeah. the funny thing, let me just share this one story about Melissa. Um, you know, I've met her a few times at different conferences, the ADAP conference, and um, this year she was at the Positive Living Conference, and you you were there, Jeremy, and yep. we did the, um, oh, I forget what they called it, the Memorial Circle. I forget what the name of it was called. Um, the Heart Circle, I think is what it was called. And I got, I had the honor of holding her daughter's hands because she has two teenage daughters and then the younger daughter that is featured in the photo on the cover. And, you know, the rock went around and everybody shared about either somebody they lost or why they were doing it. And just seeing her teenage daughters stand there in the circle and hold hands with all these activists and say that they were there to support their mother who was living with HIV, uh, it took my breath away. And it just shows you the type of person that Melissa Baker is uh, and the type of mother that she is. And her daughters, I just think, were incredibly brave to be there. And it just, I don't know, I just, 
I, I fell in love with her family. Her little daughter is so super cute. We took pictures of her, remember, by the pool. <laughs> I do. You know, I, I still have those pictures. Um, yeah. I have a I, I have a whole bunch of them on my phone. And uh, yeah, we should have her on to do an update. I think so. I think so. We haven't had her on in a while. Exactly. So um, we we need yeah, her on. Um, go ahead. I didn't say anything. I just said we need her on. Uh, yes, we do. Uh, I just want to remind people if you've missed uh, some of our last shows, I want to just remind people who we've had on. Um, last week we had Kathleen Gurris Darbison, who is the founder of the Stitches Doll Project, which was an amazing show. Uh, before that, uh, we had Sophie and Sarah Dennison Johnson, uh, who talked about AIDS-free generation. Um, and their mother was on the week before, Rebecca Dennison, who is the founder of World. And then the week before that, we also had Danielle Rogers, Jamar Rogers' mother, who came on and spoke about um, motivational speaking and what it is like to be a mother of a son who is HIV positive. So there are some great shows. And then we also had um, a show that we did with Dee Barago, one of our good friends, and it was on trans women and HIV. So if you haven't checked them, you can check them on iTunes or go to POSIM.com for links to that. But I do see our guest on tonight, so I want to go ahead and bring um, this gentleman on. I actually had the pleasure of meeting um, Jeff Allen, I want to say probably two years. It was at my first Positive Living um, conference. I met him and his partner, and I fell in love with both of them. What they do is incredible, and I think together they blew me away. They were so opening. For somebody like me who was new to the whole scene, I was never at that conference before. I didn't know anybody, and Jeff and Jim you know, took the time to speak with me and get to know me. And over the years, I feel like I feel like they're family to me. When I when we saw them this year, Jeremy, when we were down there, it was like I, I was seeing a, a relative. You know, it was the same thing like when I yeah. saw you for the first time. <laughs> yeah, so. um, he, he's amazing. I mean, both of them are Jim and Jeff. I mean, I just I love them both. And and I wish I was able to spend more time with with Jeff at uh, the IAC, but so but when we go back to the Positive Living Conference in March, yes, oh yeah, we're not going to be able to be separated. Yes, we're going to have to pick a night just to hang out with them. Maybe we'll go do dinner or something. Oh, I think we're going to do dinner and and a few other things. We're going to have to have. Um, we're we're going to have some good laughs, I think, that all of us together. So. Right. So please help us welcome Jeff Allen to the show. Hey, Jeff, how are you? That was my applause. Oh, Jeff, are you there? Jeff? Oh, you know what? I hit the wrong button. <laughs> Let's do this again. Please help me welcome Jeff Allen to the show. Hey, Jeff, how are you? Hey, how are you both? Good. How are you, buddy? Okay, good, good. You can hear me, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. So, so Jeff, now, I, that, I, that that was a great introduction, and I really appreciate it. But, um, you know what? What really is amazing uh, throughout our country is uh, young people like yourselves that put themselves out there and make time in their everyday lives to uh, actually talk about HIV and AIDS and the stigma that surrounds it. And thank you for making this space. Um, you're, you're welcome, Jeff. And, and 
Um, thank you for calling us young people because um, yes, I appreciate Jeff, that. Jeff, well, I'm I, sorry, I am, I'm I'm over fifty years old, so um, I I am I'm, I'm seriously <laughs> knocking on the forty door. So <laughs> <laughs> it's it, 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 literally around the corner. <laughs> All right, so that that that's kind of what I want to speak to tonight. Sure. Uh, about is um, you know the the young generation and and what their uh, perspective is on HIV and AIDS around the country. Um, you know, I all I have to base my um, relationship about HIV and AIDS on. Um, uh, is my own immediate community and my own immediate relationship with my own nephews. And, and that's all I have is nephews. Um, mm-hmm. And one is 26, one is 21, and one is 18. Oh, so um, they're like my age. Yeah, 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 yeah. You got me. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, so, so actually I'm like the old guy in the picture. Yeah. Um so when when I speak to HIV and AIDS uh about, you know, the community that we're talking about, um you know, that that that's the only basis I have it on, to base it on is my experience with people that I interact with and who do I interact with most is my family and I have three nephews, all heterosexual men. Um, that are under the age of 30. And uh, so, you know, that that's where I'm coming from with this whole conversation. So are they wherever, you, to, wherever you want to go from, from here, that's cool. Well, but what well, I want to well, say to you is that, you know, these conversations that I have with my nephews are quite open, quite uh revealing um my nephews are quite open to talking to me about uh gay relationships and their own heterosexual relationships and how that looks like and uh how they perceive that to relate to their own relationships with their own heterosexual relationships within their own you know personality so, so, so let's do this. We'll talk about um, the, your nephews and, and the conversation that you have with them, and then we'll go back, and I want to just have a little bit of your story. But I want to first talk about wh- when was the first time that you talked to them either about Uncle Jeff being gay or Uncle Jeff being HIV positive, and how did you do that? Okay. So um, the very first conversation was with my oldest nephew, which is now 26 and just got married last weekend. And um how old was he? Uh, he he's twenty six now and I was uh I think twenty four. Um so he was about nine. When you told him that you were gay and positive or just one? All all both. So, yeah, tell us how you did that, because that's something that we deal with a lot, and a lot of people don't know how to either tell their children or how to tell, like, I had an issue with telling my nephew when I, I was gay. I told him finally, and he's 11. I haven't got to the HIV part of it, but I'd like to know how you did it. Maybe I can get some tips for when I have to have that conversation. 
Okay, well, when I first uh, had my first conversation with him, um, I had a conversation with his mom and dad first. And I said, look, you know, I have to be honest with my nephew. You know, this is a member of my family, and this is where I'm coming from, and I can't lie to him. And I said, this is what I'm going to tell him. I... I made no bones about it that, um, you know, I was going to talk to him about sexuality and protecting himself and and how that looked like. Um, as far as I could talk to him, you know, when he was nine years old. Um, and I had to have a conversation with his parents and say, you know, look, this is this is what I have to do. This is my my journey, and I hope you respect that, um, and this is what I'm going to tell him. And I, I told both my brother and my sister-in-law um, the type of conversation I was going to have with him, um, which was not explicit. You know, we we didn't get explicit in conversation. Right. Um, but, you know... It was my responsibility as the uncle to start this conversation with him early on because, you know, by 12 and 13, you know, they're starting to get sexual. And I wanted to have this conversation with him right up front. So I had a conversation with his mom and dad and said, look, you know, what what are the limitations that that I can have with your son. Um, and they were already divorced at that time. Um, what are the limitations that you're putting on me for having this conversation with him? Because I am his uncle and I feel this is a responsibility of mine to carry this conversation forward. And how did he receive it? Phenomenally. Phenomenally. Um, my nephew, all of my three nephews have um, carried uh, self-protection throughout their life as a predominant part of their life. I think that's important because, you know, it's, it's you today really don't listen. And when you have that example of somebody who is HIV positive and you have that, I guess reality in your 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 own personal life, you kind of take it a little bit more serious, and and I think that conversation is a good thing to have. That's kind of why I came out to my nephew to let him know that it wasn't cool to, you know, say that this is gay or to say that somebody was gay because they did this or that. You know what I mean? So I had to bring the realness to him in order for him to understand it and not use it, you know, in a negative term. Well, you know, when I brought up the conversation, it. it it wasn't a gay conversation. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, really it's it's not about a gay conversation because, you know, it but was it crosses happy, borders. Was it, was it was it a happy conversation? Was it a happy conversation? No. Oh, so not at definitely. all. Definitely, it wasn't a gay conversation. Okay, the conversation yeah. wasn't gay. We did not have a gay time. No, I was I was relating it to my com- coming out to my nephew. 
Oh, 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 oh. But I get that it wasn't, that you weren't saying, yeah, I get that you weren't having the gay conversation. <laughs> well, no, my my nephew already knew that I was gay. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, so my conversation with him was, you know, well, how are you going to move forward from here? You know, now that you know that your uncle has HIV and he's had a HIV for years, um, what are you going to do to protect yourself and the girlfriends that, you know, you potentially spend your life with uh, to protect them? And that's where I came from. You know, it, you know, this, this whole, this whole stigma about HIV being a gay disease has transformed um, into something else. It's not a gay disease anymore. Um, You know, you're talking to a younger 20 generation where they realize that not only is it just a um, HIV disease, but um, a disease that is transmitted through sexual contact um, that will definitely change the aspect of their whole lifetime, whether it be HIV or uh, syphilis or, you know, whatever. I mean, you know, it's, it's a lot of other things besides just HIV. Right. Oh, my God, yes. I mean, especially, you know, I, I I spent a lot of time with um, some of my younger cousins and nephews and nieces, and 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 I and I don't talk about AIDS and HIV so much as I just say, look, you want your dick to fall off? Yeah, right, right. I mean, seriously. Right. And and then I show them pictures of what syphilis can do to their cocks. I show them pictures of what herpes looks like. I show them, and I'm very real, and I don't sugarcoat it. It's like, this can happen if you don't protect yourself. Well, I mean, you know, and and when you put it into perspective, you know, to something that they can kind of relate to um, that is non-gay related. Right. That, you know, the HPV virus is 40% of the population. Yeah. Um, it's not more. <laughs> it's not more. I mean, and, and most gay men will test positive for it. Right. You know, so, I mean, if we're talking about gay men here, gay men will test positive for it. I mean, I've tested positive for it because I've been, ex- I've been exposed. Right. Right, right. You know? Right, and and, you know, that's my whole story with my nephews is – you know that that's my whole conversation with them as a younger generation and you know i have to tell you that's going to be my whole conversation tonight is about the younger generation um um you know if if you're talking about what's going to affect you and that's what the young younger generation is focusing on what's going to actually affect me um, 
HPV is a huge, you know, big percentage of that conversation. And so how do you prevent that? How do you prevent that? And so that's where we go from this conversation from just, you know, having a gay uncle and, uh, you know, having three heterosexual nephews um, and having this conversation of how to protect yourself. Well, that's, that's the next step. I mean, obviously, um, once your nephews or my nephew or anyone's nephew or niece or daughter or son, you know, get old enough to think about sex or talk about sex or question sex, it's kind of, I think that's when you want to start talking about how to protect yourself and, and how, you know, what precautions to take. Um, you know well, what I mean? And that's different for everybody who is the adult in the in the conversation because you know that child or you know that teenager and you know them better than anyone else would. And, you know, quite frankly, it, it's hard for a, a parent to sit down with their child and have a talk with them about sex. I, I mean, it, it, quite frankly, I, I get that. You know, I, I don't have children. You know, we've talked about adopting children, and, you know, that's really, you know, in, in this point in time in my life, not an option. Um, but, you know, if it were, I mean, that would be one of the first conversations that I would have is how to protect yourself. And, as my brothers and sisters are very close to me, I mean, that's really a, a huge topic of our conversations in life about, you know, just our relationship from one another is, you know, how do you talk to your children, really? I mean, it's difficult. I get it. I get it. I know it's tough. It's tough. It's hard, um, but, you know, who the hell else do you expect to do it? Do you expect your teachers to do it? They're not going to do it. Do you expect your um, uh, uh, the people that do uh, uh, reform or, you know, I mean, you're not going to have any impact on your children unless you do it yourself. Right. No, no, you're absolutely true. So, I mean, and, and to bring this kind of full circle here a little bit and kind of wrap this portion of it up, because I just want to let folks know that um, we are at 930, and um, we are... Um, we're at the bottom of the hour. We're talking with Jeff Allen. We're talking about, uh, you know, the youth today and, and HIV and stigma and, and things like that. Um, but, you know, let, let's, let's just put it this way. Sex is a squeamish topic. People get uncomfortable about it because everything that we've been taught since the Victorian, since, since Victorian days, since 
Queen Victoria, you know, uh, did the mass castration of, of all the men in, in England. And uh, we're taught that sex is something that happens between two people who love each other. Well, I think all of us here who, who are adults understand that sex doesn't always happen with two people who love each other. Sex happens with two people who are in lust with each other and or two or more people, I should say. You know, um, and and it happens when you know it, it it can happen anytime, any day, anywhere, and you know. It's, so it's giving uh, giving the youth and giving kids the tools and uh, the right tools and uh, to to protect themselves and to make informed decisions. And that is what I think parents are missing on. Uh, dude, and, dude, let me interrupt you. Dude, so here I was, dude, bro. In, here I was up in Washington D.C. Here I was up in Washington D.C. And um, yeah, I, 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 I consider myself an, an activist. Um, you know, I speak out verbally wherever I am, and here the two of you come up with this sign, I am HIV positive. Now, I got to tell you, I got to tell you, dude, it took me a second. It took me, me, living with HIV since 1985, a second to say, oh, do I want to carry this sign? I mean, how... Arbitros is that <laughs> it, it, exactly? It's a big arbitros around your shoulders. But I, I just, I just want to clarify one thing. Um, Robert and I didn't come up with that. That was actually Aaron Laxton, who um, who uh, came up, who who brought that sign with him from St. Louis, and 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 as, as much as I appreciate the credit, I, I want to make sure that Aaron gets the credit where credit is yeah. due because. Aaron is, Aaron is, he's, he's got this amazing radicalness about him. He reminds yes, he me, yes. you know, doesn't he? And and he yeah. reminds, he reminds me of, um, you know, how, how we were all, you know, how Americans were in the 60s. He's pissed right. off. He's, he's out there, he's doing something. And he brought that sign. And um, though Robert and I were the first to take pictures with it, but um, <laughs> but he brought the sign, and and he 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 did an amazing thing. And and I think, and I think you're right, Jeff. I, I think what you're saying is is that, you know, oh my God, do do I really put myself out there? Right. Do I do that? Right. So you know you're, you're talking about that. Let, let's talk a little bit about. Um, let's kind of move on to uh, your diagnosis and your story um, a little bit. Um, when were you diagnosed, and and how were you told, and what happened? Give us give us the lowdown. Give us the dirt. 
All right. So you want the dirt? We want the dirt. <laughs> All right. I'm like Sally Jesse Raphael. I've got my glasses on. All right. All right. So, um, by the way, I, I do give credence to uh, Aaron. I love that guy. He's um, an amazing, newly diagnosed guy that has made a huge impact on society. Um, all right, so what happened with me was, uh, um, okay, truth, truth. Um, I went. Well, I already uh, saw the video, girl. You can't be lying now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I was homeless. Yeah, share whatever I, you're comfortable with sharing. I will tell you. No, I will tell you the absolute truth. I was homeless, and I was a heroin addict. Um. I've never done heroin. I've done other things, but not heroin. Yeah, we'll talk later. and and I did. Um, I've I've never done this new drug, uh, meth or new drug. Well, uh, it's we'll new to later. me. I, at, at a fifty fifty one year old, it's new to me. <laughs> let him tell his story. Okay, sorry. So anyway, sorry. I was getting, so, I was getting uh, ahead of myself there. So I was a heroin addict. And um, I decided that I wanted to get away from that. And I went to treatment. And I went into a a place called the Phoenix Project over in Orlando, Florida. And um, when I went there, I came out immediately said, hey, I'm gay, and um, within the first uh, six months that I was there, um, they took everyone that was uh, in the treatment facility and took them and had them HIV tested, which I thought was great. And um, so when we went to get tested, um, uh, this was back in 1985, and um, the tests were kind of inconclusive. And so I had my first test, and then they called me back and said, hey, you know, this is kind of inconclusive. You know, we need you to come back in. And um, so I went back in, and... um, I had another test done, and it proved to be positive, and um, uh, I really didn't know how to handle it. I mean, I didn't really have any gay friends. I mean, I was um, basically in a gay relationship and had all heterosexual friends and no gay friends, and I, I didn't really even know about... HIV at that point. And um, so then they called me back in and they said, hey, you're HIV positive. And I said, oh, fuck. (laughs) What am I going to do now? You know, I mean, really. I mean, because, you know, I was a, a drug addict in treatment. And, you know, I was trying to deal with that and now they're throwing this into the mix right it had to be like a a downer for you 
how did now? Because if I'm tell me if I'm I may be wrong, but back then didn't they mail you the results? They mailed it to the address that I uh, had on address, which was my mother's. And by the time that my um, results came in, I was already living in Key West, and my mother got my results in the mail. And she called me. My mother called me to tell her... uh, Hello? I think... I, I think you just hung up. Are, are you there? Yeah. yeah. Right. Can you hear me? Oh, okay. Yes. 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 Okay. Okay. Um, my mother called me to tell me um, that her youngest son was HIV positive. I mean, how horrific is that for a mother to have to do with her only her baby son? Right. And we're right. assuming that's you. That's me. Yeah, that's me. Yeah. And um, so uh, at that point in time, I was already in a, you know, 12-year relationship with my partner. And uh, my partner was um, a performer, a performer in venues, um, drag queen shows and so forth and so forth. You can say drag. And, I mean, RuPaul is, you know, RuPaul's mainstream now. Right, right, right. Um, and uh, so then once he found out that I was positive, then he got tested and he was positive. And um, he was the one that had the super strain. And before I knew it, you know, it's, you know, we lived down there in 1986. By 1992, he was dying, and I didn't know how to deal with this. I, I would not go on drugs because everyone that I knew at that point in time was ODing on. Uh, the drugs that they were administering for HIV right. and AIDS. And uh, so I wouldn't go on drugs until my partner died. And finally in 1992, I went on drugs. And uh, uh, so that's been my journey ever since. I mean, it was... It was... Uh, Basically, knowing that I had HIV, but not acknowledging it, um, you know, luckily I was in a committed relationship where I didn't, you know, spread the disease. Right. Um, But had I been single, um, and this is really a point I want to drag home, is that... Had I been single, I probably would have spread the disease. Right. Um, well, first I want to say thank you for sharing that. It's very brave for you to share, you know, all the the deep parts and, and you know, the personal parts of, of your journey. Um, I want to move on to something a little bit more uplifting. I want you to tell me how you met your partner, Jim. 
Because all I right. love you guys. So I want to hear it. All right, all right. So um, when I um, was... Uh, very low in my HIV and AIDS uh, journey. Um, you know, I lived for like, for like three years with no T cells, zero T cells, and um, I decided that I wanted to commit myself to helping others. And Jim was doing a workshop. Uh, where he was creating a buddy system where people buddied up with people with HIV and AIDS and helped them do their skills. And uh, so the first day, um, I was enamored with him. And um, I thought, well, shit, you know, second day I'm going to ask him out you know to go out to dinner with me or something and then the next day he brought his lever in and he brought his lever in in a wheelchair and he was in his last stages of HIV and AIDS and um, this was 1995 and uh, so when he brought him in the next day I said oh okay got it no worries and so I I backed off and didn't even approach him. And it was 1998, um, after his partner had died, we met up in a support group uh, within our community. And um, he was dealing with the loss of his lover. And uh, he had all of us over to his house for like a barbecue or something and uh, at that point in time I said oh you know I think we have something to talk about here (laughs) so wait a minute so you guys actually crossed paths two times in separate years right it wasn't the same year it was a couple years apart oh yeah so I mean for me that just shows you that it's fate and it was kind of like meant to be like you were meant to like maybe the first time it wasn't the right time but the second time it was like meant for you all to you know finally Well well, well let let me even back this up a little bit. Um back when I was like uh 7 or 8 years old, you know, Jim's like 10 years older than I am. Um Jim was chaining himself to the FBI building opposing the Vietnam War in Washington, D.C., and I was living in Baltimore, Maryland. Good morning, we... Baltimore. Oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> in my head. I, I really do apologize. <laughs> yeah, so we, we crossed paths long before we even ever met. Oh wow. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So so yeah. tell us um, first I wanna real quick I wanna open up the phone lines. If anybody out there is listening would like to call in, you can reach us here at three four seven two one five nine four four two if you have a question for Jeff or would just like to uh leave a comment with him. Um the other thing I want you to talk about is I want you to talk about the positive speakers bureau. 
or Positive Champion Speakers Bureau, and why you started that. All right. So, why did I start that? Um, I started it because there's a whole slew of people out there with HIV and AIDS, and they all have their own stories. And they're gay, they're straight, they're Baptist, they're uh, Mormons, they're Catholic. They all have their own story. And what I'm finding is that the the stigma that is around HIV and AIDS is so much more than me and you and Jeremy as gay men right. have a concept around. All right. So, besides that, even within our own gay community, the stigma around HIV and AIDS is so astounding that it's just beyond my fathomable ability. I mean, really, truly. I mean, we're talking about a, a woman that has only had three partners in her life that's a part of our Speakers Bureau. She's only had three partners. She's heterosexual. Mm -hmm. She's never done drugs. All right. So that puts me out of her category. You know, I'm a a recovering drug addict, uh, gay man, um, and also uh, a gay man that was in the military, a Marine, a Marine in the military. The Marines are always looking for a few good men. I mean, come on, really? Were you going to let me let let that one go? No, I'm not. I'm not. What I'm saying is this stigma that we attach to HIV is so far-fetching. I mean, it just goes beyond what we can even fathom, really. I mean, it's so far beyond what we can even fathom that it keeps people from being tested, number one, to know their status so that they know how to protect themselves and others. And... The fact that they are hiding this stuff because they feel ostracized. Ostracized. I mean, come on. I mean, it's no, it's nothing any different than having uh, diabetes. <laughs> I mean, it's so common, and yet it it can't cross barriers. So I created this Speakers Bureau to go out into, into the community, and there's 13 of us, gay, straight, white, 
black, heterosexual, gay, straight, all of it. So that we can go out and talk within our own community and say, look, this is what's happening. And we've had a great success in making people understand that it just doesn't happen in the gay community anymore. I mean, it's even since 1981, this stigma about HIV and AIDS has always been around HIV and gay men. And I'm sorry. It's so much more than that. No, no, you're absolutely right. So, so I, I, you know, I, I understand, Jeff, that you wanted to talk a little bit about that, the article that was in the recent Positively Aware magazine um, about, uh, you, you know, what, was it, what, what the hell was the name of it? Spoiled Identity? Yeah. Yeah, Spoiled Identity. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I, I read the article, and... and, and there was nothing new or earth-shattering in there at all, right? There was what? So there was nothing new or earth-shattering in the in the article. Well, what, what, Jeff, what did you want to talk about about it? What did you want to talk about about that? What I want to talk about that is that um, within our own community, just because... Just because a guy um, does not identify as being a man that has sex with a man, if if he if he does not feel comfortable identifying with that, right? Right. I'm sorry. Some of these heterosexual identified guys. Um, do have sex with men. And then they go home with their women and have sex. And because they go home with their women and have sex, um, they don't protect themselves because they feel like, oh, my God, you know, uh, why should I protect her and 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 show her that maybe there's something to worry about and i get that i get that i get i get where that mindset is coming from mm-hmm. but dude the truth of the matter is if you really love someone to where you're going to have sex with someone if you really love someone even if you're casual sex fuck partners, like every week, week and <laughs> what a half. Was that, no, 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 no. I, I want to go back to that for a minute. Casual go ahead. Fuck partners. You, you, you casual what partners, Jeff? <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, heard that. I, I might be sleepy, but I heard that one. Yeah, I, I so, think I get what so, so what Jeff was saying, ladies and gentlemen, was casual, casual fuck partners, fuck right, friends with benefits. Right, right, right. So, 
So, like, if you're a dude and you are with a woman um, every week or so, and then all of a sudden you show up and say, oh, oh, by the way, I need to put on a condom, it's hard for you to have that conversation, is it not? True. For me? I'm asking both of you. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, because here, here's here's what I do. Okay. And, and, and I'll tell you, as, as a single guy, you know, um, I'm in the dating. I'm in the dating world. I'm doing the whole thing. And and people ask me all the time. And you know, it's like, well, will you bear pack me? I said, are you positive? Well, no. I said, then no, I won't. I, I said, and if you don't know your status, we're putting condoms on. It's that simple. It is absolutely that simple. And, Dude, wait, uh, wait, 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 wait. We're talking about t- two totally different are we? populations. No, we're not. Yes, we are. I don't think we are. Uh, we're talking oh, no, about we... men who have sex with men, period. You have casual You have casual sex. You have, you're talking about men who have sex with men and yep. they have sex with women. Okay, so if they're having sex with me, they're having sex with a man. Right. We are going to use a condom, period. Got it. If I Got don't it. know what their status is. What right. they do with their woman or their other man, not my problem. Listen, Jeremy, I think what he's talking about, and kind yep. of like Jeff, Jeffrey and Ken in the chat room are talking about, it, is, is guys that are on the, what they call the down low, the DL, oh, and they'll go out and But no, no, and I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with them, and I'm not arguing with them. But what I'm saying oh, no. is, if, if the question to us is, do you say, do you use a condom in, in casual sex encounters? Yes. Because I don't know where that other person is coming from. That's me. Now, if they are going to, um, you know, what they do in their private lives away from me and not having sex with me, that's their decision to make. And right. and, and I think that's where, and, and, and I, I think that's, and Jeff, and I think, I, I think we're all in agreement with this, is, damn it, guys, Wrap the fucker up if you don't know what you're doing. If you don't know the person, or if you're just horny as hell, then you know what? How can you put some? How can you? And I, I, I always put it this way: How can you put your health and your decisions on health in somebody else's hands, dude? I, I. I have to totally disagree with you. Really? If if, if you if you uh, identify as a straight man, if if you don't identify as a gay man, you don't have to. I'm not talking about identification. I'm talking okay, about sex. I, but if period. if you do not identify as a gay man, yeah. and you have sex with women and men, okay, it's a little bit harder. To have that kind of conversation with a woman, it could be. I'm sorry, but but damn it, if you're gonna have sex with men, and, and if you're gonna have sex with me, I'm going to insist 
insist that you use a condom. Because I and I am too. I am too. But I'm sorry, but women don't have that option. No, but no, I I'm sorry. But women do. There is a female condom. Or an insert of you know, they can wear the female condom. They can insist on a man wrapping it up. They don't. Jeremy, you know, and, 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 and I speak up, Jeremy. Right? <laughs> you know, I, I'm not. I'm not trying to make generalizations, but it's it's it, the individual who makes that decision, and if and it takes two people. In, in a sexual relation when they're having sex. So, you know what? If if a woman, and unfortunately, here here's what it comes down to. It comes down to trust. I'm a woman. I'm trusting that my man is, 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 um, is true to me, that he's not out there doing something, that he's not cheating on me. Why would I ask for a condom? That's where it gets. I think that's where the the I, issues really lie. Listen, actually, um, we uh, are are in overtime right now, but I just want to. I think what, what um, Jeff was saying is is the guy who goes out and is married and has a wife and goes out and sleeps with a guy and then comes home and doesn't have the respect to wear a condom with his wife now that he's gone out and slept with somebody else. Why would he wear a condom with his wife? Listen, because he went out and and slept with somebody else. But if he wore a condom with his wife, that would raise suspicion that he's not cheating on her. Right, but at the end of the day, you have to take, he has to take responsibility for that and he he won't. If you're a cheater, you're a cheater, you're a cheater. I don't care if you're a cheater. Uh, it, it, it doesn't matter. You know, it, so, so yeah, Jeremy, Jeremy, Jeremy. <laughs> I'm with you guys. Jeremy. For a second. Let me finish this uh, and then we can end the conversation because we're over time already. What uh, I was so saying, how, how is that translating in New York City, Jeremy? How is it translating here in New York City? Hold on, both of you. Let me finish this. And if the guy goes out and comes home and doesn't have enough respect to do that, he was saying that if you love your wife, how could you not come back and wear a condom knowing that you cheated? And the answer I to that agree. question is, let me finish. The answer to the question is that guy doesn't love himself enough to, exactly. to wear a condom when he went out and cheated in the first place. Ding, 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 so, ding, ding. I agree. I agree. Yeah, there there it is. I, I agree. Love you both. I hope you guys have a great night. Um, Jeff, <laughs> where can people I find love you, information Jeff. about the Positive um, Champion Speaker Bureau? Yeah, it's uh, Positive Champions Speakers Bureau, uh, positivechampions.org. There you go. Well, Jeff Allen, thank you so much for coming on and having a great conversation with us. We need to have a conversation. So I thank you for the bold. Why didn't we do this earlier? Why did we have to wait till overtime? <laughs> no, it's this will all be in the archive. If people listen to this in the archive, they will hear the end of the conversation and they will hear the ding ding ding. I love you both. I love you love both. You, you, you both are making a huge impact on the the uh, HIV community within our nation. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yes, and send love to Jim for us and the doggies. All right. Thank you, Jeff. Have a good night. Good Ciao. night, guys. Say hi to Jim for us. 
All right, ciao. Goodbye. All righty then. Jeremy, woo! I want to thank everybody for tuning in tonight. You can find more information on my co-host, Jeremy Dunn, by going to PositivelySpeaking.com. More information on myself, my past shows, and upcoming shows, you can go to POSIM.org. Thank you for listening, and we hope you have a great night. I contracted a preventable disease from a guy that looks good and smells good but never mentioned that he had HIV. But he is not to blame. I should have loved myself enough to protect myself. But through it all, I found self-love, and it's the greatest thing I ever felt. I was never less than or equal to AIDS, but always greater. I just realized that not caring for myself or my body, I was my biggest hater. I am author of the naked truth, Marvin Brown, and I am greater than AIDS.